There's nothing like a good hunting story to make your dinner guests duck out faster than a booner jumping the bowstring. Every hunt is a story to tell. Whether it's your first hunt or you have decades under your belt, every step into the woods yields an experience unique to that time, day, and season. I'm your host, Derek DeBoer, and here are a few of our hunting stories. tell my favorite deer story but it was the first year I was bow hunting on my own probably my junior year in high school it's about the time frame and my older brother had been hunting for several years and he's kind of the one that got me interested in the whole archery hunting thing anyway and it let me tag along hunting with him and prior to that it was hunting with dad so anyway I was pretty amped up on all this and wanted to get my own bow and so I did that and started practicing and was a good shot when we were just target practicing in the yard but had yet to go out and kill something this story actually doesn't end in a harvest it's involves the biggest deer i've ever seen from a tree stand and might be the biggest deer i've ever seen live at all it ended in a heartbreaking miss but kind of a spoiler there right from the get-go so this story really begins kind of early fall at that point in my life when we were done with school both of my older brothers at that point were off to college and so I was was left home as the youngest and so I was still living at home and it was my job to get home from school and then go down to our barns which was about a quarter mile south of our house kind of situated in the middle of the farm actually down a quarter mile lane go down there and feed the cattle and the goats and do the chores and it turned out to give me a pretty good advantage while you're down there you're kind of watching the hills and like I said it's situated right kind of in the middle of the farm if you can picture we have a 320 acre farm and the barns are situated right in the middle of the west 160 acres and on kind of a hilltop so situated from that vantage point you can see a lot of those hilltops and then down into the valley that runs toward the east and down into the river bottom so it's really a pretty good spot to scout for deer and while you're doing chores in the evening a lot of times you catch deer running across those hilltops and toward our pond or down into some of those fields and you get to watch them for a little bit well it's probably mid-october i was doing chores and dad had got home from work or maybe he was off work that day i can't remember but at any rate we were feeding cows big round bales and so he was on the tractor and I was opening gates for him and I remember him coming around the corner with a bale on the tractor and he spotted something on the hill and we always keep a pair of binoculars in the barn and so he shut the tractor down and he asked to get the binoculars so I ran over grabbed him and 
gave them to him and I can just remember his reaction and he doesn't get worked up by big deer he appreciates them but he doesn't get overly worked up when he sees them and I remember him saying and remarking how big of a buck that was he's kind of walking away well let's see if you if you look to the south of the, our barns there's several little fingers running up from this main valley up through the hills and they're full of thick cedar trees so it's kind of hard to see a complete picture and this buck was going from one clearing to another and working toward one of those draws and so dad had kind of seen him walking away and after he watched him for just a little bit he gave me the binoculars and I barely got a glimpse all I can remember was just a big frame of a buck so that was pretty cool and then a couple nights go by and I see him one more time basically the same situation just a fleeting glance well that was about three days had passed since that first sighting and so every night I'd get down and I'd watch those hilltops and that was kind of just my whole motivation doing chores I'd go down a little bit early and just take my time and I'd watch those hilltops and you can climb up on some of our metal fences the corral fences and get a little higher even and see a little bit more so that's what I was doing and one evening I was down there and mom always helps out with chores and so she was there too and I had the binoculars in hand and I was ready for him and he hops the fence from the property south of us and he's paralleling the property fence and I get a really good view of just this really big buck and I'd seen some decent deer we're pretty familiar with looking at decent bucks but this was just the biggest frame I'd ever seen on a deer and so I immediately I call mom over I say mom you got to come over here see if you can see him through the binoculars and this is not something mom does very frequently so I wasn't even sure she'd be able to get a look at him but she found him and I said you got to look at how big this buck is because when I tell other people how big a deer I saw I want you to vouch for me so they know I'm not making this story up and she noticed everything that I noticed is really long tines and it's common for a big deer to have big g2s and threes but this guy had big brow tines and and he was a 10 point typical frame just perfect frame even from side to side and even his g4s were long and so i watched him until it was too dark to see him and he kind of paralleled our fence working from west to east and i lost him in one of those little cedar fingers as he kind of dipped down toward where our our farm pond was and so that was the last time i'd seen him in kind of what I'd say a scouting situation so it was about three days between each sighting and I wish back then I had more experience to try to actually figure out what this deer was doing during that movement because it might have given me an opportunity to set up on it but anyway it's, it doesn't matter at this point because I wasn't experienced enough to realize what I could potentially gather from that information so that was in October and so we're probably toward the end of October by this time uh, what a nine day span in there is kind of what we had from first sighting to our last and so then November we recognize that by then that rut hits and ramps up and you get to see a lot of good buck movement through November and so I was ready for that and 
that point, I think I was working a job in town at a hardware store. And so even on my weekend, time was limited. But for some reason, I had that middle Saturday in November off. I think it was November 18th that year. Just I'm pretty sure that was it. And it seems like that was the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So right there in the middle of November. And it must have been one of the first times I'd gone out to sit. I can't remember any of the sits prior to that that year. But anyway... I got up super early, so if I remember correctly, it was probably 4.30. I I didn't have my own vehicle at the time, and the stand that we had set up, we basically had two or three stand locations at that time, which is probably adequate now. But anyway, we had one main stand that we were focusing on, and since then, that location's been a really productive spot. But And it was going to be about three quarters of a mile to get there from the house and I didn't have a vehicle of my own dad was working that day it was a Saturday so get up super early I've got I'm gonna have to walk that whole distance but that was okay get up really early and I wanted to get in to the stand about an hour before shooting light so I don't remember all the time changes and all that stuff but get up about 4:30, get ready and then start walking in and I had it in my mind I wanted to be super quiet well if you've walked on a gravel road in the dark it actually makes a lot of noise those really dark hours it's completely still and quiet and it makes so much noise when you're trying to walk and if you're on the crunchy gravel it just sounds like something's gonna hear you from a mile away well there's two tracks on a country road that are packed really hard and completely smooth and so you can walk on that as silent as you can on a concrete sidewalk. And so that's what I did. I stuck to one of those tracks and just walked completely silent for about a half mile before you get to a hay meadow gate on the road. And then you turn south into the farm and you got to walk through down into the valley and across the creek and so forth. And even at that, we had at that time we were we had an ATV and so we had tracks that we could follow and it was really quiet that way too and then when you get to the spot where there's leaves you just kind of I thought well I need to act like I'm a deer walking through here rather than a person so you go a few steps and stop and do short little choppy steps trying to sound like a deer so I finally get to the stand and it's one of those really crisp cold mornings there's frost everywhere it's really still so your breath is just rising straight up and one of those mornings where it's going to get colder around sunrise so without really knowing it at that time I wasn't really watching weather patterns I just knew this was my day to hunt and it felt good so I was all bundled up had several pairs of gloves on and mismatched camo but I just had layers and layers up so I get in the stand and it's just a perfectly calm morning and you just sit completely still I had my bow on my lap I had an arrow knocked ready to go now my bow I'm gonna blame my bow on this whole situation but really it's my inexperience but my bow I just picked up off the shelf at Walmart it said bear on it so some sort of bear brand off model type bow but it worked good for where with the stage I was at it drew at about 65 pounds 
and I have a pretty long draw length so I'm shooting about a 30 inch arrow and fixed blade broadheads at that point so and I, I was pretty accurate with it out to 30 yards but it really wasn't a fast shooting bow and so past 30 yards you really had to arc an arrow in there so I could hit 40 to 45 yards but that's about all I had in it and probably only had a three pin sight there anyway you typically I remember having 20 30 and 40 yard pins starting out so that was what I had and just had my bow laying right on my lap had my release clipped in just ready to go and I remember sitting so still in fact I sat more still that day and in some of those earlier hunts than I can now I get a little fidgety now but I just remember I have to be completely still and just do this perfect well the first year I saw that morning came in basically the same way I had walked in. He came in from behind me, walked right under the stand, and it was just a little buck. And the stand is situated in the bottom of this valley, not far off of the creek, and in a stand of trees that's probably 50 yards by 50 yards, kind of square. The creek bends around from the north towards the east, cuts back south before it heads east again so kind of a square block of timber with the creek on my north and east behind me out in front of me about 35 40 yards is used to be a crp field and now we graze it so it was open to cattle so it was grazed down grass just a wide open field and then to my left which is south is the hills that rise up and they're covered in thick cedar trees and they're mature cedar trees so the bottoms are shaded out and starting to thin out so you can kind of see through the bottom halves of the trees but the hills rise sharply up and kind of at the bottom of that hill is a flattened out bench before it reaches the bottom of the valley floor and deer would travel that bench and there was a rub there and some scrapes and it had proven to be a good spot to sit. So I was sitting in the bottom and in a hackberry tree and looking back now there was really no cover behind me in front of me. These trees are all pretty thick and straight. Some of the few straight trees on the farm but the ladder stand sat in it really well. Kind of right down in the middle and I, the point of that location was these deer crisscross down through there and it's really hard to pinpoint exactly where a deer might be traveling. There's not really a well-defined trail other than on that kind of hillside bench where these deer are going to be. And so we kind of just put this in the middle there hoping that something would come by on one of those trails or in that vicinity. And it worked out perfect, I guess, with that little buck basically going right below me first thing. And I remember him reaching the field edge and I'm still early enough in in this hunting hobby that I just really soaked up everything that I saw and so I just loved watching him I had a little pair of binoculars watching him with the binoculars and he found some does out in that field and he'd kind of start chasing them and running them around like they do and as the sun came up I noticed that he would run south into those hills chasing a doe and then he'd bolt back out into the field and he'd repeat this several times and as I watched that I began to pick up a sound and and it was a grunt it was a deer grunt and first time I'd heard a real 
deer grunt that I figured out what it was anyway. So he'd enter the trees and then a grunt and, and he'd bolt back out. And I thought, well, that's kind of funny. But I began to kind of put the pieces together and I realized that there must be a bigger deer up in those hills. And he must be with a doe. There, that, there's no reason why he wouldn't come out in the field with these other does and chase this little buck around. And the little buck was obviously getting ran around by something. And so I kind of put those pieces together. And so I thought, there's got to be a bigger buck up there. And I just thought, well, if I see him, I'm going to try to get a shot. I don't know what he is or it doesn't matter at that point. It's the first deer I'm going to shoot with my bow. So I don't really care how big he is. It just seems like he's going to be a bigger deer. And I don't remember exactly the time that passed. But it wasn't long after I kind of realized that and settled, set in with that mindset that I caught movement toward my left. And I saw a big dark rack moving through the cedar trees on this bench at the bottom of the hill. And... I didn't focus on him any more than just noticing that's the big buck that's running this little buck around. I'm going to get a shot at him. And he keeps coming to a point where there's a rub on a cedar tree and a scrape. And when he hits that, he had been he'd been on a course that would bring him uh, broadside, just perpendicular to me if he kept going but he stopped short of that and started working that rub and the scrape at the same time and that put him in a position that he was quartering toward me and his right front shoulder was a little more open so that's the position he had and I did not have a rangefinder at this point and so that's going to play into all of this and I had no experience guessing yardages past our yard and after you're practicing in your yard, you pretty well know every spot because you've guessed it all and you've paced it off. and So you know where you're going to be in your yard, but it's hard to guess that out in the field, or at least for me. So he's quartering to me. He's working this scrape. And I thought, well, he stopped. I've got to take my shot here. His shoulder is open to me. And I knew enough about deer anatomy and, and we'd watched a lot of videos and we knew enough to judge a shot and so I thought well I'm going to aim for that opposite shoulder that's my shot and I'm going to slip this arrow right in front of his right shoulder it should exit out his back shoulder and be a really good shot so and I judged him at 35 yards which is inside my capability so I just had to gap the 30-yard pin a little bit high and release. Well, of course, I was so nervous, had buck fever like you wouldn't believe. Still get it to this day on most of my shots. Drew back, settled in, and let the arrow go. And it zipped over, and I felt like I followed through pretty good. And lo and behold, it seemed like I hit him. He jumped it looked like the arrow went exactly where it was supposed to maybe a little low but he did jump and he started to circle around toward my front view so back toward the west 
and then he ended up stopping at 60 yards and when he stopped my heart sunk because at that moment I realized I didn't make a good shot he did not look hurt so I thought well I missed him here's my only chance he's standing broadside but he's at 60 65 yards I have no idea how to make that shot but I'm gonna try and his does were with him he had two does right behind him so they were there behind him I drew back a second arrow aimed high let it go and right under his brisket left and right was perfect just went right under him and he bolted off well I watched him for a little while he bolted out into the field and then cut up into the trees to hit the probably the same trail he came in on heading back toward the west and I was just deflated I couldn't believe it when he was broadside and I was judging that longer shot my second shot I recognized that this was the buck that we'd seen in October just a big frame really dark rack big tines massive just a big deer so I got a really good look at him that at that point so I thought well I'll wait just a little bit try to get my nerves to calm down so I can climb out of the stand and I'll go look at my arrow and just follow through with this whole process and see what's going to happen and it was only 9.30 in the morning by then and it seemed like the whole day had gone by but so I get calmed down and I climb down out of the stand and I walk over to where my first shot was and I find my arrow right off and there was blood on it in fact there was blood all the way through it and so I thought well maybe I misjudged what I thought was a bad shot maybe I did get and so I started looking a little bit more and there were specks of blood and some of them had little bubbles in it and so I thought well maybe this did open him up a little more maybe he's wounded and I can give him some time and go track him down here in a little bit so gathering my arrows I marked the last little bit of blood and I'd probably only gone 20 yards following the little specks of blood that I could find and of course that led me down to where my second shot had been so I marked the last blood with my arrow gather everything up and head back out the way I walked in and I walk back to the house and I tell mom the story and so forth and I, well I'm gonna eat breakfast I'll go back out at noon or something and see what I can find and realizing now if I had actually made a lethal shot that was poor you'd want to wait longer than a couple hours but I didn't know back then so leave the house around noon and for whatever reason I thought well I'm not going to walk back on the road the same way I walked in I'm going to cut down to our barns and then head east on a four-wheeler trail an ATV trail and so it goes down into the valley from the barns across the creek and then it enters that CRP pasture at the west end and then head on over to where the stand location was so that was the plan I get down there so as I'm crossing this creek east of our barns down at the bottom of this valley I look up on a hillside something catches my attention and there he is he's laying on the hillside head up but just as pretty a picture as you can imagine and again my heart sunk his head's up he looks fine but he is bedded down 
in the open, which is a little bit strange. So I didn't know what really to think about that. But I thought, well, I need to do something. So I decided, well, i got to be as quiet as I can be. Maybe I can get back on his trail, get a little more information. If I feel like he is lethally wounded, maybe I can get above him on top of that hill and shoot down on him, basically get behind him and sneak up on him. So to be as quiet as I could be, I took my boots off, so I was in my stocking feet, and I walk on this ATV trail. I actually can't remember. I wouldn't have taken the trail because that would have put me in his view. I can't remember how. I think I might have stuck into the creek, down in the creek bottom, all the way to the stand location, and then got on his trail there. I can't exactly remember, but that must have been how it was because if I'd have been on the ATV trail... He would have saw me right off. But anyway, I took off my boots, left them there, and made my way all the way back to the stand, got my arrow, and picked up the blood trail. And I could clearly make out a blood trail, although it was little dots, little specks. But some of them were bubbly specks of blood. And he followed a secondary ATV trail, but which was kind of on a cattle-slash-deer trail, in the cedar trees at the bottom of that hill. He followed that all the way west toward the direction where I saw him bedded. And when I got to a finger of trees that goes kind of south and up toward the hill he was bedded on, I cut off of the track and looped up so I'd be above him on the hill and crept quietly over to where I thought I could see over the hill. And I got to the crest of the hill, peeked over, and his bed was empty. And so I just quietly walked over to his bed and sure enough there was a bloody spot where he had laid down and it was pretty well starting to dry up just some dark blood at that point and so pretty well knew at that point he wasn't lethally injured but thought well if he got up he was adjacent to one of those thick cedar fingers of trees I thought if he got up, he's probably going to find tighter cover to hold out in. And I bet he's just right here in this finger of trees. And so I looped back to the south to the top of that finger of trees. And I was going to sneak back down through it if I could. But it's so thick you can hardly move without making noise and catching branches. So I wasn't sure how I was going to do that. So I decided, well, I will sneak along just the edge of that finger and see, just peer in periodically, take my time and see if he's bedded up in here. Maybe he is hurt bad enough. I don't know. Well, as I was making my way, I, I should add, I get to the top of this finger trees, which is basically a sharp draw, kind of a little canyon. And the other thing I wanted to do by doing that was that if, as I was moving back toward his bed it would be pushing him back onto our farm rather than pushing him off the farm and so that was the second point of doing that well as I was making my way back to the north along this edge I ended up bumping him and he jumped out and he was running fine he went up over the top of the hill down into another cedar draw and that's all I saw of him well I knew he was going to be okay at that point and 
then it just sank in all the more that I'd missed my chance. And I knew and I know, still believe, you only get one chance at the year like that. And so I thought, well, I blew my once-in-a-lifetime chance on my very first year archery hunting. So it's all downhill from here. It's kind of the way I felt there. So pretty bummed. Mid-afternoon, so I make my way back home. And, of course, I'm sulking all afternoon. But can't wait to tell Dad the story when he gets home. Still pretty cool. He gets home late at night. And I tell him what had happened and and uh, kind of cry about it. Well, the next morning, Sunday morning, Dad's off work. And he likes to go to town for a Sunday morning paper. I can remember him getting back to the house, and he said, Hey, go go get your bow. Over here east, there's a big buck, and he's got blood on his shoulder, just like you described. Like, all right, I'll, I'll get my bow. So I grab my bow, we get in the pickup, we try to go find this deer, and can't find him. And, of course, I didn't think we would. He wasn't acting hurt. Dad said he was with the doe again. So he was back going strong and and that was the end of it well later on we find out a neighbor shoots a deer basically of that same description to the north of us and it sounded like they were on to him too he kind of had a loop through our farm and and to the farms to the north so we must have kind of been at his southern edge of his loop and i believe they ended up getting him and that was kind of the end of the story for me so but that is one of my favorite stories to tell, favorite things to think about, just a giant deer. I would love to have a chance at him again, even just to watch him. But that was the biggest deer I've ever seen in person. Well, I might have seen a bigger deer, but that's a different story and I barely saw him before I passed the binoculars to my wife. And she got to get a better view of him before he ran off. But that's a whole nother story. But that's the story of my first archery shot at a deer. Biggest deer I've ever shot at. And kind of a disappointing ending, but really cool experience. And I'm glad that I had it. And I'm glad that we have that caliber of deer to hunt. And it's really driven us to continue on. So anyway, that's it. Kind of a fun story.